This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Osiris. Hi, I'm Megan Rinks. And I'm Melissa D. Montz. And like every other person with access to a microphone, we started a podcast. On Mondays, we release Don't Blame Me, which is an advice podcast where listeners call in and we share our thoughts on situations such as what to do if you're going to your boyfriend's family function and you haven't told him that you previously slept with both his twin brothers. Then on Thursdays, we release our podcast, But Am I Wrong?, where we ethically gossip about pop culture, politics, our lives, and your lives. Listeners write in and we tell them if they're wrong or right in a situation. Are you the hero or the villain? On Tuesdays and Fridays, we throw in a little something extra as well. Well, something, something. We strive to create a community grounded in activism, mental health, and inclusivity. Think of us as like your blunt, honest friends who give you advice that you need to hear, not what you want to hear. But we're also always rooting for your success. What we lack in credentials, we make up for in... Opinions. We do that in every episode, too. (laughs) We're professional unprofessionals, so if you're looking for a new slate of podcasts to add to your routine, we're here for you. ACAST recommends. Hey, Osiris listeners, we want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Well, it's finally here. The highly anticipated limited edition Smartwool and Grateful Dead collection has finally dropped exclusively at smartwool.com. You may know Smartwool as the go-to brand for all things merino wool, from socks to base layers. Smartwool has been keeping people comfortable outside for decades with some of the softest and ethically sourced merino wool out there. Well, Smartwool's limited edition collection and collaboration with the Grateful Dead is back by popular demand right in time for the holidays. From t-shirts and hoodies to beanies and socks, now you can have the next level comfort of Smartwool with all your favorite iconic Grateful Dead designs. Shop the drop exclusively at smartwool.com and get it before it's gone for good. Gone, gone, gone for good. That's smartwool, S-M-A-R-T-W-O-O-L.com. Loyalty, described as, do you care? And I care, and that's why I'm on this show. Comes a time, here we go. <laughs> I'm a sucker for O'Teal, man. I saw that same feeling that I have, that would he filled a void that I didn't even know existed. It feels so good to, as Ben said, to try to do something about an issue as opposed to complaining. If you can't help, don't hurt. If we could just all get out there and throw cream puffs at each other, maybe things instead of bullets and, and <laughs> angry words, it would be better. When you stop laughing, you stop living. There's a worldwide surge in interest in mushrooms. It was deep, man. It's not that TM makes your mind quiet down there. It already is. We're just stuck up here. We've lost access. My jumping jack flash came out by the stones. So I thought, all right, perfect, man. I'm gonna drive, and I started driving through the neighborhood, and I got, I got a text from Mick Jagger. <laughs> People saying that you know what we do is non-essential. Well, playing those few gigs that yeah. you saw me at felt pretty essential to me. It wasn't like they were clapping from here. Is they were clapping from here. My view of things is that death, death is the last and best reward for a life well lived. 
Like you gotta, it's the strangest of places if you look at it right, you know? If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. Welcome back to another episode of comes a time podcast. That's O'Teal. And that's Mike. We had a we fun had... interview today with uh, Jamie Parganos, who is the executive director of a nonprofit called Creative Muse in New York City. And what an interesting chat, huh, Teal? Yeah, it's really great. They go into school systems and teach these young kids mindfulness and meditation and give them some tools to deal with a lot of sometimes extremely heavy stuff yeah. they're dealing with. Yeah. Interesting to think about how that would have uh, changed or altered things if that was part of the curriculum growing up, huh? Yeah. And she said, you know, like built into the classes are these breaks Yeah, where you can meditate or whatever, but there's like the whole, like letting things breathe, not just just grind, 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 cookie cutters, stay in your seat, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, it's more um, natural. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the, if everybody can, uh, you know, take that up into their professional lives, no matter creative or otherwise, I think that would be a, make life a hell of a lot more enjoyable, (laughs) you know? For sure. I mean, we talk about it a lot coming out of the pandemic, people kind of just like not wanting to go do that grind anymore, like leaving their jobs and figuring out other ways to do it. And, you know, maybe for this generation or this, you know, group of children that are being, you know, um, exposed to this way of embracing the break, you know, um, who knows, maybe that could change the whole, you know, culture. And, uh, it's like an act of self love or self care, Yeah, you know, give yourself a break, like take a break. What's five minutes going to hurt you. Go take a walk. Yeah. She talked about the outdoor class, like the school that where it's all outdoors. Like, I think if we could get back to, I, I see it with my son, like when we just get outside, just having the wind on your face, just like retunes you, it oh, reorients totally. you from this, you know, whatever thing you're in. And all of a sudden you're like, now you're breathing more naturally and, you know. It, yeah. And when you have to come back in, you are you have a good tired instead of a yeah. burnt out tired, you know? Like if you can get outside and run around and you come back in and you, you're like, all right, that felt good. What's next? You know, like you've had that. It's like working out every day or like you could tell the days you don't do your routine. You feel like shit. It's got to be the yeah. same for kids, you know, I especially now. It. And I love how she focuses all, all too on the creativity because, you know, creativity is not just about art. You can be it's better to think creatively about science about, you know, anything practical, you know, building or swimming or whatever your job is like to get your creative juices flowing and see different ways to do something is all applicable to other things besides what we consider the arts. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Totally. Yeah. Given these kids that at a, a very, very young age... You know, she talked about trying to get them before fifth grade and stuff, and they're just so much more likely to just accept Ad- it, adapt to like, it, and react. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because all my brain thinks, oh, they're never going to go for it. <laughs> you know. Well, those are the years probably that the foundation's being laid. So it's great to have that elasticity in the floor instead of the rigid. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, well, thank you to Jamie for joining us and for all the work that she's doing, and uh, she. We'll share where you can help in the show notes if any of you listening would like to, uh, you know, do what you can to help the next generation. We're here on Osiris, home to so many great podcasts. Go to OsirisPod.com and head over to Patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod for a bonus episode each week. As always, thank you guys so much for listening and supporting and uh, we will catch you on the flip. Mindfulness. Let's get into it. <laughs> Mindfulness has stopped me from interrupting people, right? <laughs> oh, it has. Yes, actually. Let's, That's awesome. Seems like a great place to start. <laughs> how, sure. has it, how has it stopped you from interrupting people? Um, actually, um, I, I like to be transparent about this. I have ADHD. Um, and, uh, you know, as a girl, you don't usually get diagnosed with that until, uh, you're like an adult. (laughs) So, um, I didn't, uh, develop the skills that I needed to be mindful. And, and when you have ADHD, uh, a lot of it is like not focusing on what you're doing, not having like certain executive functioning skills to like self-manage or to be self-aware. Part of that is talking too much, interrupting people. And so mindfulness was actually like the the tool uh, that helped me like regulate it. But at the same time, advocate for myself to let people know that like be mindful of the fact that I have ADHD and I'm doing my best. That's awesome putting it out there right up front and going, Hey, just so you know, take it or leave it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have it. I've, I need to do that myself. Cause I'm totally like that. Well, and now, now I think the whole world has it, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, really. Literally but it's good if you put it out. It. Cause if you, if you throw it out there first and people know, you know, <laughs> yeah. And it's, 
you know, and the great thing about having my own company is that I won't be discriminated against. Um, <laughs> well, everyone except- knows. Everyone who works works for us also knows it's a safe space. If you're neurodivergent, whatever it is, uh, your authentic self can can live in the space. Now, what does uh, neurodivergent mean? Yeah, so it's just like a term of, uh, you know, instead of calling somebody like disabled, let's say, right? We say now that they're divergent and like neurologically. Mm. So someone with ADHD or autism is neurodivergent. Um, And it's really important for our work, right, as educators to be aware of neurodivergence um, and in the workplace. Um, And to me, this is all part of like mindfulness. Uh, not only just meditating, but also being self-aware, aware of others, aware of how you come into a space, et cetera. That's, I think that's important to talk about, too, because I think that mindfulness gets thrown around very uh, loosely and it doesn't it could be anything. It could be doing yoga. It could be running. It could be writing. It could be journaling. It could be it just, like so to take an umbrella statement and try to maybe clarify it a little bit more. It seems like mindfulness is just sort of taking a beat and acknowledging the current situation that we're operating from, maybe our lens and saying, I tend to interrupt. I tend to talk too much. I tend to, and then trying to figure out how to mitigate or manage those situations. It seems. Um, It can be used that way. Most people think of mindfulness as like, you know, um, meditation, uh, being present in the moment. And obviously that's the thing driving it. Um, I studied um, under somebody who uh, is like an expert on mindfulness. um, And she taught a class on mindfulness and leadership. Um, And, you know, she's from India. She had the practice in meditation, um, you know, culturally. And she also like brought in this, um, other aspect of it. And, and, and through her, I learned a lot about using meditation and mindfulness in other ways, not just to relax. Right. Yeah. Uh, but to like learn about yourself almost like therapeutically, uh, it's been a therapeutic tool, um, that I use in many ways. And one thing I learned with her is, um, Mick mindfulness is another concept which she introduced me to, right? So it's this American idea, like the McDonald's of, uh, mindfulness. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, there's this idea that like mindfulness is like all about being positive and there'll be like a blonde girl doing yoga on the front cover. Right. Yeah. And so she calls that Mick mindfulness and, you know, I always wanted to be aware I'm not bringing that make mindfulness into something, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it comes from having a really deep understanding, acknowledging its historical roots and not using it uh, in a way it shouldn't be used. You know, it's not like um, I've heard of people having some like almost surface level mindfulness occurring in their organizations, but it's not really yeah you know in, in in the practice and the culture does that make sense oh definitely in corporate culture <laughs> like it's yeah, just like, more yeah. i'm not gonna say names but yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised uh, yeah. they actually welcome it at all <laughs> they do because you know kind of have to now yeah well let's talk about your organization that would be a great place to kind of I'd love to know, you know, your backstory and then how this all came to be. It's very interesting the way we learned about it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I was a musician and um, an act, you know, it's really a musician. And my friend was like, can you write some musicals? And I did. And then the next thing you know, I was like, I started realizing maybe I like this just as much, if not more than like, Maybe I don't want to be famous. Maybe I just want to hang out with kids all day, uh, you know. So um, it just like kind of ended up taking over my life. I'm so good at it, and then uh, eventually was like, let's start our own programs. After I've been doing this for so long, one that like centers artists, pays them well for teaching these kids, 
honors their artistry outside of work and also like incorporates this mindfulness whole child model across the board, not only within like how we treat the students, but each other too, right? So how we manage staff, how we operate as an organization, mindfulness is supposed to be tied into all of it. Cool. So it's, uh, uh, you're still writing music for this now. I'm writing music all the time for myself. I could be writing something with my two-year-old, but um, I am actually like, uh, I had to take a little break, uh, but I was recording an album. I'm, I'm hoping to do it um, at some point, finish it, but I am still making music. I'm still recording music. I'm still being artistic. I'm teaching a claymation class right now. Nice. I think it's important for me to like at least teach once a week so I can always remember like why I'm doing this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So did you have to, all the other people that are teaching and writing, did you, did they have to get some introduction to mindfulness or did, when you hired them, were they already familiar with it? Some people were, some people weren't. It's been, you know, learning for, for everyone. Um, I also think of like people trained in social justice and DEI as being mindful, trained in a, in a section of mindfulness, because to me, that's also part of mindfulness. Like, are you mindful how you're showing up as a white woman in the space? Or, you know, are you mindful of the impact you're having on people or what this specific behavior might, you know, those kind of things. Um, so some people came with that background and to me that adds to like the, the mindfulness, you know, the, the vibe of mindfulness. Yes. So for the fans, where are you doing this? Cause you haven't said like actually where it's taking place. Oh, the program. Yes. Yeah. You're, yeah where oh, we're working in the East village, which is great because it has a legacy of having a history of great artists coming out of there. Yeah. And we're working with like a community, um, and we're learning so much from them, um, too. So it's, it's like a, it's a win-win situation. Um, these artists are, are full-time employees with medical benefits. We got this beautiful grant from creatives rebuild New York. Nice. Um, and uh, we're trying to help rebuild New York. And, yeah. um, I, you know, that can sound sensational and everything, but, you know, and when, obviously when you're applying for a grant, you're using a really powerful language. But I have yeah. to say, I mean, we've been there for a couple months now. And, I mean, it's just transformational for everybody. Just post-pandemic even, just being in in – you know, helping these kids re-socialize, us learning even how to work together as a yeah. group, you know, uh, just everything, navigating new ways of doing things. It's a lot of mindfulness is needed. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting that you're working with children because this is a new, I think, frontier in establishing mental health or good practices at an earlier age. Um, it sounds like you're a parent, Otil's a parent. I'm not, but I was once a kid. And I'm wondering, you know, what that experience is like for you guys to be, you know, introducing self, you know, care concepts and things like that to children. And uh, if you could just walk us through kind of what that's been like for you. Um, for me? Well, yeah, it, I mean, just, you yeah, know, the experience it, of working it, with it, kids. It's, um, it's been incredible. I mean, first of all, I use it on my own kids. Um, <laughs> and I'll be transparent. My son has extremely high functioning autism and he's got like a 160 IQ. He's a challenging, uh, wow. character and yeah. I've used it with him. Right. First and foremost, every night we meditate, it calms him down. I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people, um, they might feel uncomfortable at first or they'll have imposter syndrome about like facilitating it, but it is an, almost immediate, just mm. the meditation practice alone mm. to see how quickly even a kid who's never been introduced to it or might even like, sometimes I see that they like to try to pretend they're not into it, but <laughs> they're into it. Like, <laughs> That's my kid. That feeling of being able to relax right now. I, yeah. I feel like they need it so badly too, you know? Yeah. Um, and it just, it helps calm the vagus nerve. Um, so if like any of the kids are 
or people, anyone experiencing like yeah. trauma or any of that, like it just helps like on such a deep level to like meditate, be in your body, take a couple of deep breaths, calm your body down. We're in like a world that never stops information mm. overload and our phones are always on us and it's just a lot. Yeah. So the kids are really taken to it. I wondered. It's I, like immediate. Wow. That's great. Especially That's the great. younger ones, which is why it's great to get them when they're really young. Cause mm. they haven't built up yet this uh, aversion to something in their minds. You know? Sure. Yeah. Sure. So like what, age, <laughs> what age do you think it's like, you like to catch them before that age. What age have they already started to be resistant? They start getting resistant around fifth grade, I guess, you know, before they're about to go into middle school. Yeah. But I mean, but, even they will do it. I'm just saying there might be a couple yeah. that will be like, you know. Like if you're you starting think? at sixth or seventh but grade. Honestly, I haven't ever seen anyone like not want to participate, surprisingly. So, mm. ah, wow. And then well, they get used to it. It's part of their routine, right? And it becomes it's built into every single lesson. Yeah. So that's what I'm. Yeah. So yeah. this is being introduced at the schools. Themse like you go into a school system, and you now are implementing this into the lesson plans and the daily activities. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so great. every single lesson has a break, um, like a mindfulness break, a meditation break. Mm. And um, oh. sometimes it'll even tie into the lesson. Like if they're building an octopus, they're doing an octopus meditation about being in the octopus's garden, let's say. <laughs> you know, <whatever. laughs> Wait a minute. I like this. <laughs> <We're all laughs> <right>. Let's <laughs> do this. Let's, up, yeah. So we're working on an octopus right now. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to know about, I want to uh, unpack this octopus <laughs> meditation. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it could just be uh, another thing is a mindful um, break uh, doesn't always have to be a meditation. We also do other things like it could be a mindful walk or uh, uh, drawing. We sometimes put like light music on and do a meditation and they're drawing. Um, so this is like when you say like the octopus meditation, now we're, we're doing like a mindful visualization. Yeah, we're saying close your eyes and now you're actually in the garden yeah what do you see so it could be like a creative yeah. visualization that's actually a meditation which works well with kids that's wow. cool i find it helps me a lot i do this uh workout this yoga workout by a professional wrestler and but there's no weights but you like clench and you try to like move and he says like you're moving through quicksand quicksand or something but one day he said pretend you're underwater and man it just clicked and then when i because i am underwater a lot and moving and then i just it clicked it in and that's a really cool thing like mindful visualization yeah and theater people do that are with my son at it. so we have a you know we have a lot of artists theater people are really creative about it Wow. I, I guess I'm just surprised that the kids took to it so well. I guess I shouldn't be because it probably is just a, because no one ever showed them. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's weird. Well, like That's I think great. about when we were in school, I don't know about you guys, but if we needed a break or if we, maybe the lesson ended before the bell rang or whatever, our teacher just said, put your head down. Like we would just put our head on the desk and like, yeah. just, that was it. Like we were just little kids. I remember when we were younger. Like that was it. Just like put your head wow. down on the desk and rest. Did they ever do that with you, or was that ever? Oh, we didn't have that. No, and that was just. If we a had way. a rest. If you were getting in trouble, <laughs> go to the principal's <laughs> office. You know, like yeah. Otherwise, it was. <laughs> yeah, Jamie, you guys did that too. Just kind of like put your head down and rest. It did, and it's sort of a form of that, I guess, but with a little more intentionality, right? Yeah, there was no intention. I think it was yeah. just to keep us in our seats. I think that was like the teachers going like. I ran out of stuff to do before the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, I can order you to stop everything. <laughs> well, you have to. So, what's interesting about how we work the mindfulness break is that it's actually part of the creative process. Right. Yeah, yeah that's so. Cool. Like we created this idea of the creative process, and whenever you're creative, uh, the idea is that there's a part where you take a break, right? <laughs> At least you're supposed to. Yeah. Um. 
some guys like to keep going. I read something once about an artist that was like sculpting. It was Michelangelo, and he was like doing it for like 24 hours and went to the bathroom on himself. All right, that's not very mindful. Manic Manic mindfulness. (laughs) That's a different kind of creativity, right? Yeah, yeah. At the same time, you know, in studying creativity and doing it myself, I always like to like let things ruminate in my subconscious for a little while, you know. Sure. You know, and so the idea is this break, it becomes in a point in the lesson where they need it creatively too. Like their brain needs a break Mm. from thinking about that. And then after the break happens and all this, loose visual, you know, vis- visualization or whatever it is, uh, meditation, relaxing. Now they came back and they're like, they might have a new idea, you know, or they might something about the rest allowed them to like reset also in like being more creative. And yeah, well, you know? I think, I think in an, in an impatient world, it's also just, it's reinforcing like patience it's reinforcing like don't be reactive like take a moment and whether it's a minute or a day or you don't have to react right away you just like kind of give it a period of time and to learn that at a young you're like setting that into the foundation of their you know process moving forward which man think back i mean if we had that as part of the curriculum throughout the past 40 50 60 years how different things might be I, I wish I could go into like every single classroom in the United States. Yeah. I swear, I'm not even kidding. Yeah, no, in every corporate boardroom, it's just not our culture. <laughs> our culture it. is to grind. Yeah, you grind and grind and grind. You drink more coffee and you keep grinding, and then if you just can't do any more, then you stop and sleep for four hours, and then you get up and grind again. And it's just like, wow. You wonder why people have a midlife crisis. Which yeah. are probably happening earlier and earlier at this point. I bet, I oh, bet midlife yeah. <laughs> crises are happening at like thirty now. You know, well, that's what the uh, seven. My kid's having one. I'm just kidding. No, but that's what the pill. <laughs> that's also what the pills are for. <laughs> you know, yeah, let's yeah, just yeah. keep everything dulled out. You know, wow. but it's funny because I've been reading about all these great, the greatest scientists from Einstein to Max Planck and the head of the. Uh, American space program, the Russian space program, and the China and the Chinese—they're all like super scientists, but they all say that their solutions to things come from these breaks that you talk about. They're like, you know, I just stop and went canoeing. That's what Einstein. He was con- real sick That's canoeing. Where, yeah, I like research it, you know. It's the break. It's that yeah. like let it. It actually comes from the unknown. It's a mystical thing, and you would think these guys are all hard science, but they'll all tell you this is how I did it. You know, uh, Jack Parsons, JPL lab. It's what got us to outer space. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> like you need. It's natural. It's natural to take a beat getting out of your own way it's actually natural to be creative too but what i found out through my research is that they unlearn it people unlearn exactly. it. we unlearn it we like stamp it out yeah. yeah that's why i think some artists are really like shunned because it's subversive it goes against the culture and they know it they're like oh we got to stop that from happening you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's psychopath. when you put it that way. Yes, it's true, though. It's really you see. That's funny, man. Not funny. Well, and, and growing up, how did you how did you first uh, start to recognize that you had ADHD or maybe like issues with focus or attention and things to that effect? I didn't. That's the sad part. I was a straight A student. So it was like went under the radar that I kept getting an N in conduct and that people <laughs> thought I was like an asshole that interrupts people all the time. <laughs> you know? Are you allowed to curse? I'm sorry. Sure. Yes. Of yes. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, uh, I actually didn't find out till I got older. And it was through, I think, these mindfulness, like just like doing these self-reflections and having her be a person who, um, so incredible. 
she should be doing the interview. She's incredible. Um, teaching me that uh, about neurodivergence and social justice and like all the different identities and how intersectionality can play out in all of this was huge for me. Um, and it made me realize that I had ADHD when I try, started to unpack my identity and noticing like, oh yeah, wait, it runs in the family. And like, this guy has it. And I went to a doctor and it was like, oh, no wonder why I struggled for like 30 years. Yeah. That's me too. Uh, what, what's her name again? What's my name? No, no her name. Oh, the lady Latha, that- <laughs> Latha Punamali. And let's let's talk about her. Some what's her what is her background? How did you meet her? What she's the chairman of the uh, management department at the New School for Social Research, and I was getting my master's degree in in nonprofit management. And um, you know, I started working for her actually, and I was um, helping her as her assistant running the social justice um, panel, like a panel that happened online. Um, and so every week we'd meet with different uh, panelists and talk about you know, how they were uh, advancing social justice in their field or you know, whatever it was. One of the panels we did was make mindfulness and I was on it actually. Mm. Um, and so you know, we discussed mindfulness and leadership and what that looks like. So just uh, in hanging with her, she helped you realize these things about yourself to kind of self-diagnose yourself better? Well, I started out getting suspicious, but I was actually diagnosed by somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't it interesting when you just kind of like you're used to a certain way of maybe thinking or a certain way of processing things for so long that when you realize it's maybe not the most effective way you go like, Oh shit. It's been like this the whole time. Yeah. And then like, I, I tend to think about, it, I explain it to people like two different ways. Sometimes I feel like I have like a hundred balloons in my hand and I'm trying to hold on to all of them. And one slips away and I let go of the other 99 to try to chase that one. And then I'm like, <laughs> Oh shit. And then I got to go grab all the others and pull them like <laughs> as far as thoughts, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then Oh yeah, And then other times it's like, I feel like I've got like one of those like hot dog, the movie theater hot dog machine. And it's like, there's eight hot dogs cooking all at once. And those are my (laughs) thoughts, but I only have this much of a window until another thought comes, you know what I mean? And it's (laughs) trying to keep track of all those. And I had to like, you know, my wife actually was a huge help with, she's like, she could tell I was incredibly disorganized, but not on purpose, more just like as a frustration. Like I would like set out to do things, but I'd start one thing and end up doing something like the hot, another hot dog comes into the, 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 you know, and I'm like, I leave the water running, but now I'm like ironing a shirt or whatever, you know, and and it's that type of thing. And then she kind of started to made me like doing, making lists actually turned out to be like one of the most like life changing things because it's like you write it down and it's like, okay, get that done. You know what I mean? And that even became sort of like a meditation to me where, you know, Mm -hmm. I have to do it daily. I've gotten out of bed and like, I have to go write and I have to wake up to a list, you know, and otherwise I feel like completely lost that day. I do that too, where there's like the, when I have my list, those lines that have checked them off. Ah, oh, feels good. Like, yeah, that's like a, I know that's probably a little bit of my obsessive compulsive, but you know, you, you got to use these things. Right. Like, we interviewed Peter Shapiro, this entrepreneur who puts on these big concerts. And um, he said something so cool. He was like, you know, to do what I do, ADHD is partially a superpower. But I have to use it. So it's like there's also that approach where, like, I could use it too. Yeah. You know, but you have to really be able to be mindful, be aware of how it's all working, like big picture. Yeah. Before you can do that kind of thing. You're just a slave to it. Sometimes, like with me, for decades. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like, uh, do you find this, like there's two approaches, like you could either, well, there's multiple approaches, but it seems hard to like change 
a decades long habit, which is just now the road has been traveled so much. But then on the other side, there's this, the weight of holding on to it. Hmm. And maybe if I could just get brave enough to just stop, just like put it down and leave it behind, you know, like, how do you, how do you change those things? You know, my, uh, put it behind, like, well, just like, let go of it. Like I could, like for, I didn't smoke a lot, but I used to smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Probably about a pack a week. So it was a little yeah. easier for me than other people. But it had just become a habit after so long. And finally, I just, instead of the fear of like, you know, how am I going to change that? I just got tired of the weight of it still being there. And I was like, man, you just have to let it go. So it was terrifying, like figuring out what I'm going to do with all this new time. But I also felt like uh, I'm not carrying the weight of that anymore. So there was a lot of good stuff that came with my fear of what am I going to do now, you know? And I don't know with kids, like uh, maybe is it just the slowing down itself that helps it helps you get there? Um, I think everybody just needs time to focus on themselves and their body. Um, but, um, with the kids in the ADHD specifically, is that what you're asking? Or just in general, I mean, I know there's no one, no one solution for everybody yeah, dealing with their crap that they've got, you know, like I would think for kids in and underprivileged situations, anxiety would be a big thing. Yeah. Trauma, uh, PTSD, which I do a lot of trauma informed care. That's part of being, um, mindful in my opinion too. Um, being mindful about each child's individual needs and not framing them as a disability is really important mm -hmm. to me. Um, like you said, ADHD is a superpower and, uh, having, uh, my own children has, has sort of like helped me with this. Um, and I actually like, we've been talking a lot about it with the staff. I'm like, um, let's stop talking about this as a difficult behavior, but as like, this is an individual child's, you know, behavior, right? This is their, oh. um, their way of being right. Um, a child that can't sit still in class. That was me. Now I am so happy to be there for those children. Right. Mm. Um, because a lot of the times what will happen is educators are constantly correcting that person, right? So they're constantly being told, sit in your seat, sit in your seat, sit in your seat. So all day you're being told you're not doing it right. You're not doing it yeah. right. That's what you're hearing. How do yeah. I know this? I was this child. Um, and, uh, you know, I could get A's in, in algebra, but you know, if I was getting an N in conduct, it still didn't make me feel good. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, um, I try to start thinking like, okay, well, what are we doing? Um, let's have like a piece of clay for her to play with because now she'll be able to sit still because her hands yeah. are busy. And, um, that mindfulness of each child's individual like space, the mindfulness about the language we use, how it frames. Um, I'm not sure if you were expecting mindfulness to go this far. <laughs> no, I, well, I'm thinking about with my own kids. It, I've, all those things I think about. How are you saying this to them? How's that making them feel? How are you framing it? Because a lot of our psychology is behavior modification not actually trying to fix the kid so it's like give him a pill give him a pill so he'll sit there in that spot and right? it's because we want um people that are different to adapt to a style that other people have yes Who's say cookie cutter wrong let's just imagine if we were in the woods adhd comes in handy you know you're like ready it's fight or get flight out. <laughs> yes. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at Smart Wool. For more than 25 years, Smart Wool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. 
because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. Yeah, survival. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't work in like this really structured, like the thing we've created out of our lives, which is actually not natural. So who's wrong? I don't know. Is it the people with ADHD? But either way, I mean, that's philosophical yeah. and existential questions. But, you know, well, why are we considering that as like that person's disabled? Yeah. Well, one of the things I remember I heard this on uh, an interview with someone who was in they were talking to their therapist and they were talking about the progress and the, you know, she said, the, the, the therapist said to the, to the um, you know, patient or client, she said, when you came in here, you were in the middle of the ocean treading water. You were barely keeping your head above water. And little by little, that ocean turned into a lake which turned into a pond, which turned into a river, and now it's a puddle. And you're standing over that puddle, and you're, you know, it's not taking control of you, but you acknowledge that it's there. And the, the client goes, when can we get rid of the puddle? When's the <laughs> puddle going to go away? And she goes, it's never going to go never. away. It's always going to be there. But realize that you're not drowning. You're not drowning in the puddle. And that's something I think that, like, is an incredible yeah. way of looking at these things that we deal with, that we're, we're all dented. So we all have these things that we were either nature or nurture, you know, some people need a medication. Some people don't, some people yeah. need, you know, um, a little bit of guidance or restructuring or help just to, uh, someone to go like, you're not alone in this, you know, and it turns that, you know, tide pool that's pulling you under into a manageable you know, puddle that you're able to go like, all right, like every now and then my feet might get wet, but I'm not going to die. I'm not going to drown and I'm not going to feel, you know, and and just to, I couldn't even imagine as a kid, how helpful that must be in, 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 in certain, I I mean, in any real, like, you know, societal situation, because kids are trying to figure it all out, but just to be able to know kids that are going through really, really hard stuff. Sure. Of course. Which most probably, I bet, I bet the percentage is getting higher and higher of who, I mean, having to have a conversation with a kid about like guns in school and stuff like that and shootings and all of this, like how the hell are you? I don't know how kids do it, you know? So, I mean, to be able to, you know, like learn those traits and say like, you know, you could turn that drowning feeling into just, you know, the putt. I, I like that analogy because like you're saying, it's not a, maybe a disability. It could be something that is, we learn to manage it and use it as a superpower if possible. You know, I mean, it's exactly. good sides and bad sides. Like, uh, you know, I've, I know for myself and my son, our ADHD, I could see the superpower side, but I also want both of us to have the part where we have tools to sit yeah, You know, when we don't want to, because me and Nigel can both sit for really, really long times if it's something we like, like yeah, video engaged, games yeah. or music. <laughs> you know? yeah. But now when you don't really want to sit, what are your tools to like? Okay, you know, I'm on a plane for 14 hours going to Iceland or wherever, you know, like I need to be able to <laughs> calm yeah, it I down. I agree. And it's about like finding a happy ground between the two, right? Like uh, allowing the child, like meeting them halfway, right? Or meeting them where they are actually is what we try to do, but also teaching them skills that'll help them survive in other environments, but also making some accommodations for them once in a while. And even in work, like with other adults, making accommodations, being mindful of other people's work styles or. Yeah. Yeah. I think the I, pandemic. I don't gave we don't have this like colonial thing, one size fits all framework, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Awesome I mean, field. we changed, we changed our whole kid's school because of that. And I was, he started out in Montessori. He's super smart, like way ahead in some of these things. And then emotionally, just like me, you know, socially not as 
aware, executive function, all that stuff. Like when he got diagnosed, I was like, Jesus, that's me. That's me. So then we put him back in Montessori where they won't make him sit. He's so friggin' happy every day going to school now. Comes home happy. And he was in this other school for two years where he was far ahead of the other kids. And he dreaded, he was like, I'm so bored. They just make me sit there. And then he showed me the homework and it was like, wow. I, I just told him, I was like, he's got a point. Like he's right. So let him be with some kids that are older where he excels. And then he'll be with his age or younger where he's like maybe emotionally less mature. You yeah. know, my like, son's in that kind of they're all together. Yeah. And that's exactly why it works for him, too. Yeah. If we can make accommodations for them, I think those will affect his career choices also. Where, like me, I'm not in a corporate environment because I was scared out of it. I was like, <laughs> I won't last a day in that crap. <laughs> like, I got to be a musician or something, a dancer. Or, you know, I just couldn't be in that cookie cutter thing and that's how our educational system is it's just like to roll you into the factory or the middle management or whatever you know yeah but nowadays you need executive functioning skills to be a musician because it's like uh you gotta run your own business you gotta run your own you know yeah but that's where kind of my adhd could kind of be a superpower because it was like all right i gotta manufacture the cds i gotta write the music record it i gotta sell it i gotta drive i gotta book the hotel rooms i gotta you know get all the music ready for everybody and uh so yeah i could use it in that sense when it was something that i was like emotionally invested in but not in like a corporate cubicle for some stuff that i don't care at all about yeah, I'm the you same. know, yeah, like, and we had we had the 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 kind of like uh, we were we were presented this sort of fear in high school early on that like yeah. you had to get the SAT score to get into the right school and you had to take out as many financial loans as you needed to in order to get to that university level or else you're going to end up being a total failure and blah, blah, blah. And, and then you get through with undergrad and they're like, oh, that degree isn't really worth <laughs> anything anymore. So you need to get a master's degree and you got to go further. And, and there was just this <laughs> level of like, just, just churning and never feeling like you've gotten enough accomplished in this sort of, I mean, I'd never wanted to go to like, all I enjoyed doing in high school was like, I wanted to own a, open a landscaping company. That's like all I wanted to do was just go cut lawns, be outside, like work, you know. But I was like, they came to our school and set up, and we're like, we're from the student like loan, whatever, whatever. Like this is how you do it. This you need to take these standardized tests, and it was yeah. all of a sudden all these square pegs are trying to like cram into round holes, you know. And it was, yeah. like, and then you're in college, and you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like this is silly. Like I hate it. And, and how the many, debt, the and debt, debt now is a then, different story than. Oh my God, know, I know. And 30, right in the minute you get ago. to college and you're walking through the courtyard, they have a booth set up that's like sign up for this MasterCard and you get three free posters or whatever for your <laughs> dorm room. So then you got now that debt. And it's also you're trying to figure out just who the hell you are at 17 or 18. So it's like you're that's right about this <laughs> non conventional way of like, you know, it would have been cool back then if someone said, you don't have to figure it out now. Just like, let's just worry about today and like, let's go take a walk. <laughs> or let's go to the well, I think in other countries, they were onto this earlier, right? Like I remember hearing, I don't know whether it was Finland or what country that was doing so much better. Their kids are doing so much better in school. Mm-hmm. And they were saying they have less homework, more multiple like recess times during sure. the day. Yeah those breaks right outdoor schools for little ones yeah the entire days outside wow where they like run around it's like an outdoor school model it's really i wish i could have that oh where is this my god that's my son in japan that's my son for sure wow he would yeah well i mean he's doing great but wow that's amazing yeah mine is too thankfully so through this grant, are you able to uh, offer this um, solution to more school districts? Is that the goal? Like, like when you like as a nonprofit 
you know, running a nonprofit? Like, what's that process like? Yeah, I mean, uh, we were doing some like small programs before, but what this particular grant allows us to do that's actually revolutionary is not just the mindfulness thing, but the artist thing. Uh, It was a grant to give um, artists like uh, full time, you know, full time salaries and benefits while still allowing them to do their art. That's incredible. And I actually had this crazy idea before the grant came out. And then the grant came out and I was like, I don't know if there's a God, but (laughs) (laughs) that's why I I think I got it. Cause they were like, what, who is this lady? What, how does she have the same idea already? You know, she was like already starting it, you know, uh, on a smaller scale. And, um, it was always my goal to show that we could, um, deal with some of the, uh, gaps in like enrichment programs that happen for people that are getting free services. There's always a lot of turnover or the teachers yeah. don't show up. It's just like not a model that works very well. Cause it's like, they don't get paid a lot. It's hard to get a high quality one. And then meanwhile, like the next kid is getting like a $7,000 after school program. And it really to me, the real inequity happens in these enrichments. Yep. Yeah. Right? They yep. happen in like how many music lessons did he have? Was he exposed to like culture? Was he, you know, um, it's not just about like what school you go to, but what are you doing after school? Like, mm-hmm. what can your parents afford to send you to? Mm. Um, and also, like, running around and being healthy and socializing should be part of that because some people tend to overschedule. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, their kids, but, um, you know, we do that naturally within this program for them. And so what I liked about it is that we were able, it was like a win-win situation where, um, we got this amazing grant. There's no one ever absent. There's always somebody there teaching the class, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, and that alone nowadays, I, I was just saying to our staff, I don't like to give out participation trophies, but for this, I feel like <laughs> you do get one just yeah. for showing up. Thank you for showing up. Yeah. In this day and age. Hey, man, it's real. I'm on the train every day. I'm like, coming to show up in person for these kids. Yeah. It's a lot, and I appreciate it. And it's needed right now, you know? So well, we are in a capitalist society. We need to be able to have the money and the time to survive or else – you know, you need grants. They don't call them enrichments for nothing. It's like you need to be rich. To do and um, America doesn't have socialism, right? <laughs> but what it does have is the largest philanthropic sector in the world. Yes. And we don't talk about that a lot, right? Uh, we don't have socialism, but we have a lot of nonprofits, and they, uh, they employ a lot of people. Yes, they do. They provide a lot of social services. Other countries don't have that, right? They may have socialism, but obviously we'd prefer to have some of this stuff covered by the government. But some of it, maybe we don't, you know? Yeah, Yeah, if people will come out of pocket that have extra to help, we need patrons. I mean, that's how musicians and artists functioned in ancient times. I know. The rich. Yeah. It's like you want art, you know, you got to feed us. We can't to make art if we're starving to death. <laughs> no. do, do you? Uh, yeah, not for nothing. You want New York to be cool, then you yes. need to yeah, stay here. Going, yeah. It's not cool without us. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> do you see this going outside of New York? Or is right now the focus just kind of stay, like building up in the city? And I then- think that this could be done anywhere. I don't think that this is geographical. No, I know it could, but I mean, oh, is that yeah, your yeah. plan? Like, Oh, um, I mean, it should be everywhere. It's not part of my current five-year strategic plan. It doesn't mean that it's not something I wouldn't consider for the future. Cool. Right now, I'm focused lo- on local, like New York. That's a lot. I mean, you got to, yeah. New York's pick- a big place. has a lot of impact <laughs> on the rest of the world as it is. So Yeah, you did pick a well, big plants- city. It does plant seeds just doing it sure. because someone's going to see it. Someone's going to watch this, hopefully, and that idea will take hold. You know, there's people out there realizing like, okay, man, we got to do this ourselves because nobody's going to yeah. do it for us, you know? Yeah, and how and can, f- how can more, f- 
more funders, more people realize yes. this kind of stuff needs to be funded. How can folks help that are listening? If anybody's interested in, you know, like doing their part, like, can you tell um, us where they could find you? And Yeah, creativemuse.org. The best way is a donation. Um, you know, we don't currently have like a volunteer program management system, uh, but I am, you know, fielding some, some requests from, for that kind of stuff. Um, and coming up soon, we're going to have like a wish list on our website uh, for Giving Tuesday in about a week. So if you want to check back there, there's some stuff uh, that we want to buy for the center we're working at. We're doing this placemaking project. Um, it's also a mindfulness practice where you use participatory design to design stuff together with the community. Oh, nice. So we're trying to reinvigorate the space. We're trying to create a jam room, actually. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Yeah. So, like, they have a bunch of music equipment. We're bringing it out, and we're trying to, like, you know, fix whatever's broken, get the right wires, set it up, and we're just going to start jamming. Nice. And hopefully, like, kids are going to be like, I want to come jam. This is, we're trying to get the teens. This is our plan because yeah. it's a little oh, bit cool. harder to get them involved. How big is the space that you guys are currently working in? Is it like a, pretty good size because it sounds yeah. to me if i'm understanding properly it's like the after school programs the students and the instructors come to you and then that's yeah. where the okay we actually are working right now with um, a new york public housing like center it's owned by nycha the new york um housing authority um and it's supposed to service the community members of a specific housing project um so you know, um, that's, that's the premise behind it. And that's where we're doing it. And it's not just for kids, by the way. Um, we've done adult programming and we're starting and, uh, teens. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. We're Good stuff. Some fielding, um, we might be doing some deaf programming, but this is new to us. So we've been really like, uh, unpacking what that's going to look like for us. Cool. But mindfulness really awesome. and creativity and children two of the most yeah that's really cool that it's starting out like that that's a great thing that you're doing and i think about how how important it is to learn we learn things at, at such a young age and things get imprinted and you're you think about just like who you may be influencing that may take this into the next generation yeah. and beyond and save how many kids you know like that's super important. That's I already what... seen it in my own lifetime because I'm what? I'm not going to say how old I am. <laughs> but um, I've even seen it when I didn't even know what I was doing that much. Yeah. I can't yeah. even imagine now what it's going to be like. But yeah, I even see the impact sometimes like people who even worked with me when they were teenagers. Now they're like the yep. president of a company. It's just wow. Funny. One of the good things about getting older you know, because I certainly have had that happen. It's like, wow, I, you don't know the impression you're making. So now that you're doing it with this kind of intentionality, like, you know, yeah. it's really going to spread. So thank this you for doing it. Age. I have no desire to be young. I have no. Me neither. No, I'm with you there. I didn't. That, that That's like all, a, you know, that's a glamorization because when going through it wasn't like a all fun you know <laughs> i feel like more actualized and more mindful now and like i make better decisions you know that right I, i'm Absolutely. way happier i'm way healthier <laughs> i actually look younger than i did we were talking about it the other day Otil. remember <laughs> we were just talking about it i had a birthday pass and we were talking about how getting older is like yeah, oh. it's, it's well, especially for musicians. There's a certain taming that probably happens. If you survive it, you know what? If you make it to fifty, Honestly. oh my god, it's so horrible. But I just someone said, "How do? You, why do you look so much better?" I was like, "Do you know how much I was drinking back then? Like, how would you look <laughs> right? if you started drinking like that? Give it six months and nine months." <laughs> look terrible that's another thing you know i really like the idea that we're providing like stability for artists where they don't oh yeah especially coming out of the pandemic why do we have to be drug addicts and drunks to be in a band like 
Why can't we be healthy and eat salad and be in a band and still be cool? I mean, well, and yeah. also there's how many, there's, <laughs> there's daylight hours too. You know what I mean? And getting up and having a purpose. Dude, the vampire, others. the vampire thing is so overrated. Oh my, oh my God. God. Totally. Yeah, a I'm good over- sunrise and not because you were up doing blow all night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's like, a difference you know? between, well, I was, there's like a difference between 6 a.m. and 18 p.m. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh boy, is there, man. Yeah, life can begin at 50 like so sweetly for sure. So, well, thank you so much for coming on and we're thrilled to have you. Yeah. Thank you. It was like uh, really easy to talk to you guys. It was like one of the best interviews. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much. And we, we, you know, we encourage anyone who's listening that wants to help out to, to check out, you know, your site and uh, make donations. Yeah, Thank we'll see what you. we can do here. It comes a time to help out with this jam room. Yeah, that's jam. our thing. Yeah, help us with the jam room. Oh hey, my god, it's in the universe the now. I'm gonna email you now. <laughs> hey man, it's, email right. me because look, you know that's what it's about. We here it comes a time. We have some really amazing musicians on our on our grant too. I bet. I, bet. I mean, New York I is. Bet. Yeah, yeah, of course. We'd be glad to lend a hand because. Uh, yeah, we'll we think the touch. mystical stuff does play into it. <laughs> Just like when you met up with the Grant people, they're like, ah. Yeah, you throw it out yeah, there and I it know, happens. It's special, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll catch you soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hi, I'm Megan Rinks. And I'm Melissa D. Motts. And like every other person with access to a microphone, we started a podcast. On Mondays, we release Don't Blame Me, which is an advice podcast where listeners call in and we share our thoughts on situations such as what to do if you're going to your boyfriend's family function and you haven't told him that you previously slept with both his twin brothers. Then on Thursdays, we release our podcast, But Am I Wrong?, where we ethically gossip about pop culture, politics, our lives, and your lives. Listeners write in and we tell them if they're wrong or right in a situation. Are you the hero or the villain? On Tuesdays and Fridays, we throw in a little something extra as well. A little something something. We strive to create a community grounded in activism, mental health, and inclusivity. Think of us as like your blunt, honest friends who give you advice that you need to hear, not what you want to hear. But we're also always rooting for your success. What we lack in credentials, we make up for in... Opinions. We do that in every episode, too. (laughs) We're professional unprofessionals, so if you're looking for a new slate of podcasts to add to your routine, we're here for you. ACAST recommends. Osiris. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.